Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. And he pointed to me roughly where it was, and I went up and I made the walk with one of his dogs. And uh, uh, we walked up the fence line, and I came across this area that, if I weren't looking for a cemetery, I would never have recognized as a cemetery. You wanted to capture the flag waving just right in the wind. Can you give an example of another way that um, art or craftsmanship shows up in the photographs that you've taken. I'm Elaine Cha. Early this year, our station's health reporter, Sarah Fenton, shared a screenshot of an STL Reddit post titled Weird Request. The post was made by a woman seeking help getting a photo of a very particular, and to most, a peculiar sort. One STLPR staff member responded to Sarah Fenton's Slack share. Dennis Bentley, System Support Administrator. Dennis makes sure our Infotech System's myriad programs run smoothly with us rather than running amok on us. As it turned out, some other wholesome soul beat Dennis to the punch answering the Redditor's unusual ask. But it revealed something about our colleague we might not have learned otherwise. He's an experienced headstone photographer. Dennis joined me on the show in January to give us more details about what headstone photography is and how he does it. Dennis, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. All right. What was that Reddit request? Uh, I saw that. Uh, it was uh, what I consider just not unusual at all or weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I responded to that uh, that. Slack message. I I get I have an inbox full of of, of similar requests for the same reasons. Uh, I think in this case the uh, the person said that uh, uh, they lived in California or far away uh, and could not personally see or attend the ceremony or see the burial, uh, but they would love a photograph of the the headstone. Uh, which to me didn't sound weird at all, and I said as much. And I agree, it's not it's not that weird. Weird is in the eye of the beholder. Now, what or who first inspired you to take up headstone photography in the first place? Well, I, I didn't even know it was a thing. Uh, I started out, uh, I moved here to Jefferson County uh, 16, 17 years ago. I'd never been here before, never been, you know, don't have any family there or anything like that. And I was getting to know the area a a little better. And uh, I uh, was going out to all the noted conservation sites and trails and parks and things like that. And I usually drag my camera along. I had a good camera. Uh, And I was pretty much had used up. Uh, all my photography on on the places that were available to me, and I was in, in between things. And then I uh, heard a story on NPR, as it turns out, uh, uh, from the uh, creator of a site, a website called Find a Grave. 
And uh, he talked about, well, we're looking, you know, we need volunteers to go out and basically just document or photograph headstones. And I thought, well, that's something I can do. <laughs> I'm already mostly doing that, you know, dragging my camera around to interesting places anyhow. Do you remember your first photograph? Uh, actually, um, yes. Uh, my first one was actually before this, before I heard the NPR story. Mm -hmm. And uh, was at when I was doing some research into Jefferson County, and I came across a web page uh, that had an article about uh, the poor farm in Jefferson County. Uh, <clears throat> the, and uh, I was intrigued by this article and found out the place still existed and that it was only like four or five miles from my own home. And I just got up one Saturday morning and, uh, you know, I contacted the historical society uh, and they gave me all the directions and told me how to get there. But they also told me that uh, that struck fear in the heart of an introvert that I would have to ask permission to, 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 to get back there because they'd already portioned out the land. Okay. <clears throat> and so I got up one Saturday morning and went out there and knocked on this stranger's door at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning and asked him if he told him what I was going to do and uh, you know, what I wanted to do and all that. And he pointed to me roughly. He'd only lived there a few years. And he pointed to me roughly where it was. And I went up and I made the walk with one of his dogs. And uh, uh, we walked up the fence line and I came across this area that if I weren't looking for a cemetery, I would never have recognized as a cemetery. Mm -hmm. uh, there were never any established headstones or, as we know them, headstones. There were no markers. And is that associated then with the name of of the place, Poor Farm? Uh, yes. Uh, in fact, some of the uh, buildings with the Poor Farm from, uh, from the Poor Farm days, which wrapped up in, a, in the 1930s, uh, some of those buildings still exist. And this was across the road. And, and the land, the county had sold off the land or most around it. And they had separated from the, uh, the sale, the, this little triangle of land up in the woods as being uh, the area where the cemetery existed. Since that time, mm -hmm. uh, you have 3,100 photos uploaded yeah. to find a grave. Mm -hmm. And 91 of them are volunteer photos that you've taken. Mm -hmm. So at what point did you begin posting to find a grave? It was shortly after hearing the story on NPR. In fact, I think it was the weekend following that story. I was excited about mm -hmm. it. And uh, uh, where I live, uh, just outside of Hillsboro, I, uh, I knew where there was a cemetery, so I went to it. And uh, uh, with, you know, with the printed out requests and, you know, and all that. and. Uh, and uh, uh, so it was. It was pretty much immediately, uh, and and it was almost every weather-friendly weekend after that for, for for several years. Walk us through your process. So first, can you tell us about the stuff you prepare before going out to take headstone photos? For instance, <coughs> I do want to mention you yourself are a veteran, mm -hmm. and you you carry flags. Yes. For decorating photos of military veterans' headstones. Mm -hmm. What else do you carry with you? Uh, I carry, and I, I didn't know originally, this, this fanny pack built itself over the, over the course of years. Uh, what I learned to take with me was a bottle or two of water, especially if it's warm outside. Uh, I, a, a snack of some kind, even though I, I don't often do that. I do carry 
an American flag, small like you would see around Memorial Day. And in case a veteran's stone doesn't have one, I actually put it there for the photograph itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't leave them there. I, I take it back out with me. I would say that there is one other thing that I that I do, one ritual that I do before I head out to these cemeteries, is I make sure to uh, visit a restroom. Oh, that's very practical. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, as a rule, cemeteries generally don't have publicly public facilities, Mm -hmm. but it's just just something I've learned. And I've also learned to recognize where the nearest facility is. Okay. Let's talk about some of the pictures themselves. Mm -hmm. One of your many photos shows a nicely engraved, well-kept headstone of a man who lived from 1900 to 1956. The stone sits underneath a very small handmade structure Mm -hmm. uh, that has wooden legs supporting roofing shingles. And in front of that, there is a very springy bouquet of blue hydrangeas. Did the flowers in the structure attract your attention? Actually, yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is unusual and not unusual. I'm looking at the picture you're referring to. the structure itself, uh, I don't see very often, but I do often see occasionally people will leave behind or uh, they will build something around a headstone. Uh, uh, solar lights aren't, you know, uh, are not unusual. Uh, uh, thing, items from that person's life, mm-hmm. it's not unusual to see. I even have a, a photo of one headstone that actually has a full bottle an air, airplane bottle of whiskey. Oh, yes. spirits for the spirits. <laughs> the spirits for the yeah. spirits. <laughs> and uh, but this one, I can't tell you a lot about. I don't know. I, but it's 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 sort of unusual and not unusual at the same time. I understand it. I understand the thinking. They're they're trying to protect the headstone. Uh, but I doubt that the shingles will last as long as the headphone itself. (laughs) What lasts these days anyway. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, is there anything that you bring with you sometimes? I I did see on your Find a Grave profile Mm. um, something about flowers. Do you take flowers sometimes? I I don't take flowers in. Uh, I I have a general rule, and and, uh, Find a Grave does not require oversight. In other words, I'm pretty much can do you're a free agent I'm, I'm a free agent okay uh, and I sign no contract I you know I, I I don't have a boss I don't have a territory but I, I try not to actually physically touch the headstones uh, and, and, and to not to I try not to desecrate them whatsoever mm-hmm. and I think me putting flowers there would possibly be seen as a it could possibly be seen as you know oh we didn't want that sure. we're speaking now with Dennis Bentley who is a hobby headstone photographer and also um, the systems uh, and IT administrator here at st. Louis Public Radio um, one last thing about the the photos Now, I understand that one of them that you took of a World War II veteran's headstone required five shots because you wanted to capture the flag waving just right in the wind. Can you give an example of another way that um, art or craftsmanship shows up in the photographs that you've taken? Uh, I've been a hobby photographer longer than I've been a hobby headstone photographer. I started 
taking pictures when I was in high school. Uh, so I've always been familiar or uh, leaned towards the concepts of framing and, uh, and, and you know, rotational angle and light and, and, and all that shadow and reflection. And uh, <clears throat> yes, there was this one that, uh, that, that I wrote about that, uh, that gave me some trouble. It was a windy day and the flag kept obscuring the name on the headstone mm -hmm. and I ended up taking like sitting there patiently waiting for the wind to blow in the right direction well, like I said I don't like to touch the headstones <clears throat> but uh, I couldn't I was about to get angry with this flag for not getting out of the way okay. but finally it did and I, and I think the picture turned out fairly well and you said that your inbox is full of requests mm -hmm. for headstone photography what kinds of reactions do you get when you fulfill those requests? Uh, usually, uh, and, and I, I, most of the photography I do of headstones is preemptive. It, I've, I have no request for them. No, no, the few, the, the handful that I have actually resulted from a request. I've received nothing but sincere gratitude. I, I have to say the, the, the people requesting them are not doing so for evil purposes. <laughs> they, mm -hmm. they genuinely would like to see it, uh, and and so the words of thanks, even though they don't, it's not a hundred percent. You know, sometimes they hear nothing. Yeah. Uh, but it's self. It's a self-satisfying hobby. Mm -hmm. I, I, I the, do the few times that I do hear back from a requester, it has been been sincere and kind. Mm -hmm. On days that you have specific gravestones to find. Mm -hmm. uh, how many are you looking for typically? <clears throat> that has changed over the years. Uh, I, I uh, rereading through some of my uh, blogs recently, I start out with uh, a handful, uh, ten or twelve requests, and I'm looking for, uh, and I'm looking in cemeteries that I've learned. I've learned to look in smaller cemeteries too. Uh, uh, so the names, the list names. Four, five, ten, uh, but uh, this is not what drives me. Mm -hmm. Have folks you've encountered at cemeteries responded in in different ways to what you're doing? I I try to avoid people uh, as a general rule of life, not just with headstone photography, <laughs> but as a general, I I tend not to want to interfere uh, if if there's someone else and, and and i should point out that it is relatively rare to run across other people at cemeteries mm -hmm. uh, they really don't get visited very often uh, uh, and when i do come across someone i try to steer around them give them a wide berth mm -hmm. and uh not confront them uh, now i have interacted with a few of them uh, but usually it's just a elevator nod or something like that. It just a you know lower mouth grin or or, or whatever, okay. because I don't know what stage of the grieving process they're going through or what, what their motivations for being there is. So quiet acknowledgement. It's a quiet acknowledgement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there a, a memory that stands out about um, maybe a specific gravestone that you were looking for or um, a find that? aligned with something else that was going on in the world or in life that just struck you? I, a few, well, 
I, uh, yes, there's, there's one incident uh, where I was actually in the local cemetery, the Hillsboro uh, City Cemetery. And I've been there enough times where I kind of know it like the back of my hand. I, I you know, I feel it, it's my home cemetery. Uh, and uh, one day I was there and I spotted out of the corner of my eye a, 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 a lady, uh, a buttoned up lady uh, with holding some flowers. And she was apparently looking around, you know, browsing. You know, she, she was looking down at stones, moving on, browsing at another stone. And we were, I, I kind of gave her a wide berth at first, but I could see that we were going to be meeting somewhere in the middle. Okay. And so I just basically just said, you know, hi there, because... Uh, I, I worry that sometimes someone like me who's just going from stone to stone to stone taking pictures is going to be seen as an intruder of some kind. Mm -hmm. I'm very aware of that at all times. <clears throat> and I didn't know how she would react. And uh, as it turned out, she asked for my help. And she says, uh, I'm looking for, and she mentioned the, the man's name. And she says, I'm, you know, I used to live around here, but I don't anymore. And I, you know, I've just not, not been here in a while. And I said, well, what can you tell me about the grave? Uh, and, and she says, well, he, he just passed away uh, less than a year ago. Uh, they put his headstone down. She knows this. And she says, <clears throat> and uh, I'm here because it's his birthday. And she says, even though he was not my son, I know his parents and keep in touch with them, but they live in California now also, and they couldn't make the trip and they would really like to, you know. And so I, I actually stopped looking at the names on the headstones and started looking for other signs that I'd picked up on, mm. which was that I knew in that particular cemetery that if it had only been there for a year or less, that it would not have covered over with grass that it would still be, you know, you would still see some loose dirt around it and, and all that. It would not have grown over. So I just basically started looking around. And within a few minutes, I, I actually discovered it. Some detective work there. <clears throat> well, yeah, a lot of it is, yes. Uh, what have you learned about these cemeteries and how these spaces change over time? I have learned quite a bit. Uh, not really a lot of interesting stuff, but to me, it, it, quite quite a bit. Uh, I I have learned a, a, a lot about the physical structure of headstones mm -hmm. and about the history uh, of headstones. And I've learned that uh, regardless of whatever headstone you may go out and purchase for your family member, it will not last forever. Uh, that. Uh, I'd say even stones that were uh, erected in the 1860s are starting to, to just fade. Uh, even some from the 1920s and 30s are starting to fade. And I've also learned w about myself that uh, cemeteries don't really creep me out much, <laughs> but I'm, I'm perfectly aware, you know, readily aware that, it, it, that, that, is, not, that is me. And just me. <laughs> that it, it actually does give the uh, heebie-jeebies to a lot of people. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what what people respond with. I, I suspect mm. there are there are more people who who share your um, your openness. 
two to this. Dennis Bentley is a hobby headstone photographer who contributes to find a grave where people the world over post search and request photos of lost loved ones. His day job is keeping St. Louis Public Radio's IT in order as our station's beloved system support administrator. Thank you for this treat, Dennis. Well, thank you. That was my conversation with Dennis Bentley. Since he talked with us, Dennis has taken even more pictures. His current Gravefinder total is now just one short of 5,500 posts. Today's episode was produced by Aaron Dorr. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.